0: Block talk radio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue this chicken.
0: Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, National Spokesperson for the USDA for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all-natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended, pure wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at KalmbachFeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, Feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer Seal of Approval and are Chicken Whisperer Approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's UrbanCoopCompany.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry, from rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop, Filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty
1: waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water. Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled
0: water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple.
1: Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com.
0: And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whispered. It's good to be back. We've uh, been on the road, actually. We left, I uh, believe it was April 22nd on Wednesday. We hit the road from the homestead And we've been on an awesome book tour sponsored by Calm Bach Feeds. Uh, uh, It basically took us through a lot of states, but we had events in five states, starting out with an event in um, Maryland. And then we went over and had an event, I believe, in uh, West Virginia. And then, of course, Ohio, Indiana, back into Ohio, across over into Pennsylvania. And then now we're back in Ohio, and the official book tour uh, and speaking tour with Kalmbach Foods, Comback uh, Feeds is now finished. Uh, but I do have an event that will wrap up my travels uh, for right now. um, I will be at the Sharonville Convention Center just uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. There is a large uh, prepper expo that's going on this Saturday and Sunday. You can get information online at Cincy preparednessexpo.com that's www.sencyparnessexpo.com you can see when I'm actually speaking on both days I will be doing the full two hour getting started with backyard poultry workshop on Saturday and Sunday with a book signing and q a session in the in the booth immediately following I believe both of my speaking times on both days are in the afternoon I want to say sunday is I want to say two to four. And then from four to five, the book signing. And then Saturday, I want to say, is something like 1.30 to 3.30 with a book signing immediately following. So after the two-hour Getting Started Educational Workshop, then I'll move out onto the floor to my booth and we'll do the book signing and Q-, Q there. But again, that's going to be the Cincinnati Preparedness Expo there at the Sharonville Convention Center this coming weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Looking forward to that. I've also booked an event in St. Louis in October, Uh, With the same group that's putting on the Prepper Expo here in Cincinnati, there'll be one in St. Louis in October. But we had a great time. We had great turnout on this trip. And I just have to send a wonderful shout out to all the dealers uh, and the feed mills that sponsored this uh, or hosted rather uh, the events. We had great turnout. We had, I think, the, the, the top number. And I can't exactly remember where that specific event was. It all gets blurry. But 107 people we had at that one event, which was tremendous. We really had a good turnout there. And then we had 60 and 40 and 70. And uh, just the numbers were absolutely amazing on this tour. And I want to thank all the dealers that hosted the events. They did a fabulous job making sure everybody had seating. Uh, We had refreshments for everybody. I think the very last event we had, they actually fed everybody. They had fried chicken and cold slaw and green beans and all kinds of great things like that. Cookies, and a lot of them had refreshments because it was after dinner. Most of the events were six to eight p.m. and snacks and refreshments for everybody. But it was really a great time, a great turnout, uh, and we had a great time. The the planning process organization by Kalmbach Feeds was was amazing. Uh, Cheryl, she traveled around and attended every single event with me. She visited every every event stop uh, like two weeks or three weeks or a month before to make sure that everything was uh, going to be uh, run smooth. Make sure they had seating and parking for everybody where the event was going to be held. uh, They actually had these six foot cardboard stand-up chicken whisperers in every store as you walked in uh, with holding a sign with the date that i was going to be there in the times and they they really did a great job and, and it, it was kind of humbled because we pulled up to one event uh getting ready and there was a huge banner well actually one of those big flags it's like uh i don't know 10 feet tall that you uh, that they put up by the road and it said, the Chicken Whisperer is here, had my picture on it, and the uh, Kalmbach Feeds logo. Uh, but it, it was it was really a great tour. And, I'm, and if I saw you and met you on tour, thank you very much for coming out to the event. We had a really good time. The next event, uh, our book tour and speaking tour with Kambach, is going to be this fall. Probably uh, between, we'll just throw out there, between September 15th and uh, Halloween. So the last two weeks of September and, and, and October over there will be uh, another book tour and speaking tour with combine feeds don't hold me to this but right now it looks like it's going to be uh through the Carolinas in the southeast let's put it that way there's some talk about doing an event uh maybe kicking this off uh in uh, in alabama at a big uh, dealer conference and then uh heading up into tennessee and crossing over and uh getting over into the Carolinas. so we'll just see what happens regarding that and uh, see how do how well we do with, with that tour. So we're really looking forward to that this fall. So got a great show lined up for you today. Again, it's good to be back. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we've got shows, I believe, most of the week. We, today we have Peter Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Uh, visit them online. Uh, I believe tomorrow we're going to have poultry scientist and professor Dr. McCray uh, talking about uh, raising uh, waterfowl. And then I believe Peter's going to be back again on Friday. As well. So, uh, we've got uh, at least three great podcasts for you this week as we get back into the scheme of things that spread and the chicken love. So, without further ado, over here and the little background noise you hear of course i do travel and i'm very blessed and thankful that i can travel with my family i could not do this without wonderful uh and my uh awesome son caleb and uh, beautiful daughter daughter lily uh they yesterday for example yes we do uh work hard on tour but we have a lot of fun on tour as well just for example yesterday we went and visited uh the cincinnati children's museum which was fabulous we've been to a lot of them around the country in our travels we visited the Columbus Zoo a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we we do oh, we have caught tons and tons of fish. Me and Caleb, we love to go fishing. You've probably seen the pictures following us on Facebook. But um, So the background noise here, they just came back from the playground. And uh, they're going to be fixing some lunch. So I'll probably put myself on mute here a little bit to eliminate that background sound. Hopefully my sound's coming through good. I'm I am broadcasting in HD today. So we'll see how that, that works. It should be much clearer, more crisp. Uh, for you, and that's why you may be picking up some more background noise than usual. But let's get on with the show. I'm going to go over here and bring on uh, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Hey, Peter. Thanks for joining us. Hey, welcome Andy, back.
1: You? Yep. Welcome
0: back. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm doing well and uh, looking forward to a good show today. Hope hope you're doing well and hope you're enjoying this spring weather and I haven't got any of the bad stuff that uh, the pictures I'm seeing out of are horrible. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um an rv park that we stayed at actually on tour last year in april when we were going through tornado alley uh on book and speaking tour we stayed at that park it was roadrunner rv park uh, just in the outskirts of uh, oklahoma uh city and uh totally destroyed totally got hit head on tornado and were devastating met the owners very nice folks i feel for them uh, and, and the folks that were there that, I mean, I don't know if there was an RV that wasn't overturned in that whole park. It was uh, the direct hit and a real nice little place there. And so, uh, but I hope you're, you're avoiding all of that over on the uh, uh, peninsula over there, but um, hope you're enjoying your time. And and thanks for coming on welcome back we're looking forward to continuing with the podcast as we always do over a thousand episodes but we got a great topic we've been kind of holding and, and and holding back but we want to cover it today so uh, i'm going to turn it over to you my friend
1: yeah and at the end of this i'd like to say just a little bit about the avian influenza thing just a, just a little bit of an update i think it's uh, uh prudent to keep that in everybody's sure mind. but uh yeah we've been kicking this one around for a while um it's not as common uh, a, a disease problem as we've seen with uh, some of the other poultry diseases we've covered over the years. But at the, in the long run, um, there was, I don't know, three or four years ago, one of the, one of the hatcheries uh, that provides a lot of the baby chicks uh, for folks all around the country um, did have an outbreak and a problem with this particular disease. So it's, it's worthy of, of, uh, of kicking around a little bit, not a huge subject, uh, pretty straightforward, simple uh, disease. Uh, it is a virus Um, goes by a couple of different names Uh, one of the old names for it was uh, infectious avian encephalomyelitis big word Um, and um, anytime you get the encephalo part in in these things you uh, have to start looking at this being an issue that attacks the nervous system the brain and that kind of thing and that's exactly what this one does over the years, uh, they dropped the infectious and uh, came up with uh, avian encephalomyelitis, still a big um, mouthful for most people to see. So um, the easiest way to refer to it uh, is uh, one of the two following ways, or, or, or the two of them combined, and one be, would be to just say uh, the problem is AE, okay, uh, shortening it up quite a bit. Or another word that we, uh, or two that we use for it is called epidemic tremor. Um, And the reason for that is that uh, that's one of the symptoms that you may or may not see uh, in chicks uh, or young birds that uh, are affected with this particular virus. Uh, It's a virus that is uh, what we call ubiquitous in nature, meaning it's found anywhere and everywhere um, and uh, all around the world. It's uh, not exclusive to this country by by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, The uh, virus was first discovered here in the northeast part of of a of the United States, uh, to, at least to my knowledge, uh, up in the uh, uh, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut uh, area. Um, uh, a lot of work done on it back in those days uh, by Dr. Bruce Kalnick from Cornell University. And, um, but uh, this disease first picked up right around 1930, 32, 33, right in that range. Um, and it wasn't a, a, a disease at that point in time that was um, understood very well. Uh, and it wasn't a disease that had a lot of tools to help uh, understand it further. All of those tools uh, uh, had to be developed uh, over a period of years, and it was decades before uh, we uh, really even saw uh, an an attempt uh, to make a vaccine uh, because it wasn't crystal clear at that point in time uh, which way uh, the disease really spread uh, from from bird to bird or, or however. Um, and it wasn't until later on that uh, all of these uh, methodologies were worked out and i believe the first vaccine uh, uh came on market somewhere in the early 50s or so okay so uh it took a a long period of time uh to uh to get this uh going and it only what 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 uh, spurred that on uh like most things uh is that um, as it spread from uh, one group of chickens in one uh, state to another and became a countrywide problem, uh, predominantly in the breeding stock, uh, then we saw people jump on a bandwagon and and really uh, try to get a hold of this thing and uh, understand it uh, and come up with a uh, way to control it uh, and or a remedy for it. And that was the advent of the uh, uh, A.E. vaccines Uh, which we've moved on now to uh, better vaccines, uh, easier routes of administration uh, and and put them in combination. This one is typically done um, when birds, uh, at least in breeding stock, is done when birds are around uh, uh, in the 14, 15 week uh, uh, of of age uh, prior to the onset of egg production. Uh, Vaccination uh, during egg production can cause egg production losses, as will the disease itself cause egg production losses. Um, and that kind of thing. Um, so what they did was they, co- they combined this with uh, POCS. So we, what we have now uh, available um, is basically two methods of administration. One uh, would be in the drinking water, uh, which was the first ones that were developed, and then the AEPOCS is the more recent, i say more recent, probably in the last 20 years. But uh, at any point, uh, it is uh, <clears throat> a little bit more um, advantageous for people to do the A.E. and the pox together, uh, you know, at the same time, and that's through the traditional method of a wing-web stab, just like the normal pox vaccine would be given, uh, and uh, that takes care of, of this disease, uh, the immunity once is developed, uh, which generally with most uh, viruses takes um, several weeks at least, uh, is long-lasting, and in most cases, lifelong-lasting uh, for the for the birds. Um, so any time there's a breakdown in the uh, administration of a vaccine or a failure of the vaccine. Um, You may see this uh, particular disease uh, uh, come to the forefront again. But for the most part, uh, worldwide, it's kept in check through a a good, solid vaccination program. Um, Almost every vaccine these days, at least the ones produced here in the United States, uh, undergo rigorous testing not only by the companies that produce them, but by the Department of Agriculture and uh, If the vaccine comes under the uh, auspices of the Food and Drug Administration, then they get involved as well. So we do have uh, vaccines uh, for this. Uh, The average person in the uh, uh, backyard flock setting uh, need not worry about it, Uh, but it does come along every now and then, uh, especially from some of these commercial hatcheries where there may be a breakdown uh, in the vaccination program. Um, And vaccine failures come from a number of different things. We've talked about them in the past. And most of the time, uh, vaccine failures come about uh, with human failures, a failure of a human to either uh, handle the vaccine properly, uh, administer the vaccine properly, or uh, improper handling during the administration of the vaccine, or uh, uh, just plain not doing it at all. whether it be left out by accident uh, or by design uh, or whatever, uh, one never knows. But um, this is egg transmitted, okay, and it also is laterally transmitted, which means that uh, chicks that hatch from uh, birds that are infected uh, will spread it to their hatchmates rather quickly. Um, Incubation time, uh, generally anywhere from 7 to 10 days. and uh, hatching hatchmates uh, become infected. Uh, for the most part, uh, bird-to-bird contact uh, with fecal contamination and uh, uh, infection is generally considered uh, through the oral route, uh, through uh, picking up feathers, droppings, uh, and, and what have you from infected uh, birds. Um, and it usually spreads pretty quick. Um, one of the reasons we call it epidemic tremor is that uh, there is a distinct. Uh, and uh, observable uh, tremor to birds if you hold them in the palm of your hand, um, and you, uh, uh, you can sometimes feel it, and, in, and uh, most uh, times uh, you can actually see it. Uh, there are times when uh, you may not see it at all, but the bird still has uh, uh, avian encephalomyelitis. Uh, unprotected birds, birds that don't have any antibodies to it, that, that uh, are exposed to, to the virus at an early age, Uh, Mortality can be uh, varied and can be high. It can be anywhere from just a few percentage points up to the high uh, uh, 60%, 70%. Um, uh, I saw it early on in my career in college uh, when we were taking care of small colony batteries uh, of birds. Uh, We had uh, several shipments of birds come in, and it was apparent right from the get-go that that they weren't right. Besides the mortality, uh, they did uh, have um, uh, very appreciable uh, tremors. And uh, it was a sight to see, actually, and uh, um, from the standpoint of the tremors themselves, not the mortality. And um, so, you know, it, it is a disease that's out there. Um, we, we bring it up uh, because of the fact that uh, it may come along. You just never know with, with some of the anomalies that have come from some of the hatcheries that are out there uh, over the last four or five years. <clears throat> um, this may com- come to the forefront again. And at least we'll uh, have the information out there to um, uh, to um, let folks know what it is and be able to pick up on it and maybe keeping it from spreading to your other birds or, or things of that nature. Uh, but again, the shaking and the tremors um, um, are, are fairly obvious in a majority of the cases, but not all. So don't don't let that fool you. Sometimes. Um, some of the other symptoms that you would see with this particular disease um, are some of the symptoms that you may see with other diseases. So you can't jump to the conclusion uh, that uh, your birds have a AE uh, just based on, on some of the, uh, of the symptoms that we uh, will, will talk about. Uh, other, other diseases that could cause it, some fungal diseases can cause some of these things, anything that's going to attack the nervous system, uh, the brain. So we look at uh, Newcastle, we look at bron- um, not bronchitis, but uh, Marex. And we look at uh, any of the fungal diseases uh, uh, for sure uh, that would uh, cause these things. Uh, some of the uh, vitamin deficiencies, vitamin E especially, um, attacks the uh, the, uh, the musculoskeletal system and would possibly give you some of the symptoms of vitamin A deficiency, um, any of these. And we've talked about these in depth. People can go back and uh, uh, you know listen to the shows where we talked extensively about vitamins and what the deficiencies did and didn't do and and how to correct those things uh, by and large today uh, most of your uh, complete feeds um, that we talk about um, uh, on the show fairly frequently <clears throat> contain all the vitamins, uh, all the minerals, uh, all of the amino acids uh, that a bird will ever need in its diet for for uh, for the purposes that you're uh, Uh, using them for. So um, unless you're feeding a lot of uh, uh, scratch or other things, uh, treats, as as a lot of folks like to call them, uh, and the bird is not getting the sufficient uh, nutrition from its uh, complete feed that you would buy at the feed store, uh, then some of these things may come into play. So you have to kind of uh, evaluate things uh, within your own flock. Uh, One of the things that I like to do when I talk to folks uh, who uh, have a problem with their flock is I have a, uh, a uh, sheet that I work from uh, that I write down all of your symptomology. I ask a bunch of questions. Uh, some of them may appear uh, as dumb questions to people, but um, you have to understand I'm not there. They are. And so I write down all of these things that a person sees with their birds, uh, and then I start to separate them out. Uh, while I'm talking to somebody, I may separate them out into the things that I'm thinking and things that are going on in my head so that I can ask the appropriate questions for uh, those things, uh, you know, where my brain is going. So you may want to do the same thing when you, with this disease or any other disease, uh, uh, try to get the symptomology down, uh, the behavior of the birds, um, and, and that kind of thing and uh, it goes a long way in trying to decipher what's going on and make some sort of intelligent uh, decision as to uh, what may be going on and then what a course of action for that may be Uh, for this one here other than vaccination there is no course of action as is the case with uh, most viruses Uh, the only virus uh, um, technically that uh, uh, we would uh, be able to uh, Stop with vaccination, uh, and we've discussed this before, and I'll only just touch on it, is laryngotracheitis. Uh, the, if you were to have an outbreak in your flock, the best way to stop it is to vaccinate everybody and let the chips fall where they may. And it's the only vaccine, uh, basically, that does that. Uh, there are some instances when you might uh, have an outbreak of Marex and vaccinate everybody, even if they've been vaccinated, and stop that and help some birds uh, who uh, were exhibiting symptoms recover. Okay, but those are the only two instances, basically, where we would use it to stop an infection uh, and mitigate our losses that way. Um, so some of the things that you, you would see, um, uh, more morbidity, this is birds that uh, are sick but not dead, standing around, uh, droopy. Um, you might see them sitting on their hocks. And again, when you see birds sitting on their hocks, one of the first things that comes to mind is coccidiosis, so you kind of have to rule that out. Um, and that's easily done if you have a veterinarian who takes care of your dog and cat. Uh, you can carry a sample down to them and let them run a fecal check on it for you and see you know, uh, if you have coccidiosis. Now, the mere fact that he is able to see the oasis in the dropping uh, under a microscope uh, does not mean that you uh, actually have a problem with coccidiosis. It would not be um, uncommon uh, to find oasis in the dropping. It's natural. The question then would be, how many do we find? we find too many, to, what we call too numerous to count, then we know we have a problem. Um, but just a few coccidia or a, a small amount of coccidia in a dropping uh, is not <clears throat> um, indicative of an actual coxi outbreak or an ongoing problem. So you have to adjust for that. If you feel it is, simple, dump some uh, amprolium in the water and eliminate that part of the thing and um, see if the symptoms are still there. Um, so sitting on their hocks. Uh, paralysis again. Uh, this would be caused by uh, the virus attacking the brain and the nervous system. And again, here's where Marex comes in. We start seeing Marex. But Marex, generally, um, and I use the term generally because nothing's ever 100%. But when we look at Marex, we look for a specific uh, posture that the birds will take. Uh, the sitting on the breast with one leg forward, one leg back is classic. Uh, laying on the side of the breast with one leg forward, one leg back, or both legs extended straight out uh, is another classic. Um, that can happen in any combination. It just uh, happens to be whatever way the bird uh, <clears throat> ends up falling down uh, when it can't walk. Um, some of these diseases, um, Merrick sometimes will will notice that birds have a tendency to pick their leg up and ball their foot up. Uh, which leads you to believe that it's a riboflavin deficiency when in, indeed it's not. Um, the um, bird is having more and more difficulty extending its uh, toes out uh, and, ex- and and keeping the foot down on the gr- on the ground where it belongs so they'll start picking it up and balling up that foot and eventually um, most of the time uh, you'll hardly ever see a bird that has merics with the toes extended out. you'll see them generally balled up uh, with one leg forward, one leg back um, and in that particular uh, uh, posture, so you have to look at that, and you have to, you know, make up your mind uh, as to whether or not this is a Marex problem, or is it an A.E. problem, or is it a Coccidiosis problem, or is it a Newcastle problem. Now, when we talk about Newcastle, we're talking about another neurological virus that attacks the brain uh, and the nervous system, and some of those symptoms would be uh, birds that stargaze. That means with the head back, looking constantly up, and and losing the inability to uh, look around like a normal chicken would. Uh, constantly twisting its head around on its back, and I'm not talking about the normal posture where a chicken is uh, uh, putting its head under its feathers of its back and resting. I'm talking one that has to do it because the musculature is telling it to do that when it doesn't even want to do that. Uh, One of the others, and the classic uh, uh, symptom of Newcastle, often seen with birds that do have Newcastle disease, but generally not seen with birds that have uh, AE, would be the classic C and that is the, um, the neck stretched out in front of the bird with him looking on, in between his legs like he's looking backwards for something. And, um, no, they didn't lose their marbles and they didn't lose their, their nickel and dimes. They're, uh, they're looking for a piece of corn. Um, they would more than likely have some sort of uh, a neurological disease. Uh, and, again, that could be Merrick's, uh, that could be uh, Newcastle, that could be uh, E. That could be any one of the fungal uh, diseases uh, as well that would attack the brain and the the nervous system and and cause that uh, particular posture. So we have to take all of these things into consideration. Uh, We would see uh, head shaking um, or or even a a tremor of the entire body. This would be the legs, the wings, uh, and everything else uh, associated with it. Um, You may see weakness in in these limbs. the legs and the wings the inability to hold that wing up and again that goes right back to oh is it Marex or not Um, the best thing you can do the best thing you can do certainly if you're in a position to do this not all people are but if you can get a bird to a diagnostic laboratory preferably a poultry diagnostic laboratory within your state uh, and get a what we call a definitive diagnosis somebody that uh, knows the disease is pretty much inside and out and can do all of the necessary work uh, to put their finger on uh, just what this particular problem uh, may be. So um, there may be other bacteria problems that that may uh, arise. Uh, They're they're not as common, uh, but birds that uh, may have um, ear infections uh, may give you a similar uh, type of, of, a, of a problem, uh, inability to, to walk properly, the uh, balance uh, is off, uh, and uh, this kind of thing. And that's easily checked on. Uh, with a focus beam flashlight, you're going to want to pull some feathers away from the ear canal uh, on both sides of the head and look in the ear canal. Uh, if it's progressed to the point where a bird uh, is uh, not able to really walk or is um, walking but stumbling, Uh, and it is an ear infection, generally you'll see it. You won't have to pull a whole lot back. It'll be right there. Um, In the uh, upcoming, uh, I believe the summer edition of the Chicken Whisperer magazine, uh, I wrote uh, an article concerning uh, ear canker, which is not necessarily caused by the uh, uh, canker organism uh, that we all know for mouth canker, although it's always a possibility, uh, but I've never actually seen it uh, in that particular uh, capacity. And so you, it'll, there's some pretty uh, graphic pictures there to go with that story, um, and uh, it uh, should help you uh, make a, 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 a decision as to, you know, what's wrong with, with the bird, or you can rule that out. Um, so that's, that's worthy of, of looking at, and those are caused by several different bacterias um, that are, are generally uh, fairly aggressive in their own right, but if you pack them up and package them, uh, two or three of them together, uh, they're deadly. Uh, very aggressive. Um, this would be a pseudomonas, uh, your, uh, uh, your your uh, E. coli, um, and uh, another one that, uh, escapes me right at the moment. Uh, uh, Enterobacter fecalis, um, and certainly any of your staph infections uh, w- would all produce these kinds of things if they got into the uh, the ear, and and, and uh, you know right below that's that's the brain, and and so on. So. Um, these things um, uh, you know all have to be looked at Um, and um, again the mortality can be high Uh, the morbidity usually uh, can be high as well birds standing around uh, acting sick Um, and um, there is a a, uh, generally an age where birds are less susceptible to this particular uh, virus and that is between somewhere between four and six weeks. Um, uh, it also will depend on how good the bird's immune system is. A bird with a compromised immune system, you can take all those numbers and throw them out the window. Uh, they're, they're more susceptible to things. These are birds. Uh, in the commercial sector, if you were looking at birds that had problems with uh, or flocks that had problems with uh, infectious bursal disease, uh, which in attacks the immune system, and then uh, this particular virus or any other one came along uh, it it can be uh, deadly in its own right the the mixture of those so um, that's uh, some of the things that you uh, uh, would would see from the outside Um, a uh, person doing a necropsy on a bird uh, would look for uh, lesions in the uh, uh, the visceral organs the organs of the body and generally obviously uh, the brain the spinal cord uh, would show problems the proventriculus, which is the true glandular stomach of the bird. Uh, you would see problems there. Um, it likes uh, uh, the, the real soft tissues too, so you'll be looking at the pancreas having a problem. And a human or otherwise uh, animal, when you start involving things in the pancreas, uh, you're you're in deep trouble. Um, and um, the uh, the gizzard as well. So, Peter, I, I got these, a quick, quick yeah, go
0: ahead. Quick, quick question. For you talk, um, I guess the question is, how fast is this going to take out your birds? Because you had talked about, oh, if you see this symptom, you may want to rule out coccidiosis by doing the ampoule in the water and ruling that out first Before, while we're trying to identify. If you don't have that poultry professional around that can do the test uh, and, and, and determine what it is uh, initially or quickly or, or you know most definitely, and you start ruling that out. Are these birds, or is this bird going to die while you're treating for coxie, trying to figure out if it is uh, AE? I that, guess that, so. Basically, the the time period, or how fast this becomes a dead bird, and do we have time to treat for these other things to rule it out?
1: Um, the mortality can can be very sudden. Um, that that's, you know that <laughs> is part of the problem, um, and and we do see this in a lot of, of, of young fowl. Uh, you know. Um, I mean, the, the being egg-transmitted uh, to start with, um, you know, you you may see it right off off the bat. I mean, that's how I, you know, at at an early age, how I was uh, exposed to it was was through chicks that we had gotten in, uh, who were only a couple of days old, and right out of the get-go, I mean, they were only in, in our facility for you know overnight, and uh, you know, the next day they went, they were shaking, rattling, and rolling, and you know, and uh, it was a, a quick way to learn. Uh, Know, what was going uh going on I mean you know they they will be uh, unsteady um, one of the tricks is to uh, uh, hold a bird in your hand and then turn it upside down and then let it sit back in your hand again and that that can make the bird tremor too so there are a few things you can do but um, you know I wouldn't say mortality is going to be you know uh, uh, discovered today and dead tomorrow but it's not going to drag on for a long period of time um, you know, and if there is any resistance to a particular uh, bird, recovered birds don't shed the virus. Um, but um, there are other things that go along with it. Uh, the, uh, 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 this causes birds as well, not in all cases, um, but uh, can develop cataracts that have been exposed to this. Uh, so we, can, we start ending up with birds that appear healthy, but they have cataracts and end up being blind. Um, so there's a number of issues. Um, the you know actual mortality itself. Um, I, I would say that from from what I remember, from from what I saw physically, um, I, I would say that in in less than a week's time, you'd be looking at some significant mortality. Uh, don't forget, this is yeah. these are birds. It's going to attack the brain right off the bat. So I mean, the, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it just takes out the ability to walk. To uh, to start to you know to, to breathe to eat uh, to drink uh, and all of those kinds of things. And,
0: is is this going to take a bird out faster than Merrick's? Because a lot of those symptoms sound yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah
1: yeah 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 Merrick's for the most part um, uh, unless it's affecting one of the major organs. Uh, mm-hmm it's possible to live for months and, and, and in right. many cases it does. Most Merrick's disease viruses that uh, we have exposure to here in this country, at least for the moment, uh, are not what is generally considered lethal. There are others in other countries where they get it and it's a matter of just a short period of time and they're, and they're dead no matter what you do. So, It is a little bit different here. And that may be because, you know, we started vaccinating in this country, you know, uh, what now, roughly um, give or take 45 years ago. And so we have, you know, all of that uh, uh, to have changed things around. And, you know, there's a whole lot of controversy over, you know, Merrick's vaccination uh, as far on the commercial side. Um, And that's why they, you know, they're continuing to uh, develop new vaccines. And like I've said here on this show many times, and I'll say it again, every organism wants to live, and they all have the ability to have this workaround. And um, so, uh, you know, that's that's another thing. These viruses change.
0: Yeah, I just didn't know if you start seeing those, uh, just, again, kind of ruling pulling that out uh merrick's and you're trying to rule out the coccidiosis and then go, uh, they got the tremors and the shakes and, uh, and a lot of times when you mention that immediately people just automatically go uh to to merrick's but i'm um, no, that's great information i'm going to take a commercial break peter if you don't mind and then Very we'll sure. come back and we can we can continue that See, I'm and, uh, it. Yeah. okay hey, no problem no no rush there and then we'll um uh, wrap up a little bit today with uh the uh, avian uh, influenza update uh, on what's going on there. So, hey, we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the chicken doctor. You can find uh, him online at FirstStateVetSupply.com. That's again, www.FirstStateVetSupply.com. There's more to come right after this short break. When you need an incubator, think Brent C., the incubation specialist. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at brincy.com. Brency spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's brincy.com or call one 667 7009 Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Frenzy, technology you can trust.
1: Give the chance.
0: Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen Savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard-sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Come
1: back!
0: Come back! Back! Come 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 back! 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 Feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K A L M B A C H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com. And try Love Nest organic blends for your backyard friends today. This looks like a job for. Super Chicken! You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit! All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. We're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. And uh, we're talking about today, AE today, <laughs> and then uh, when we're done, we'll uh, talk a little bit about the, uh, the recent findings here in the avian influenza uh, outbreak that's occurring. And uh, back over to you, Peter.
1: Uh, yeah, just... Uh... <clears throat> Want to say that the, the only way really to prevent this, uh, and again, this goes back basically to, uh, uh, to breeder flocks, and all of your egg-laying, commercial egg-laying birds are vaccinated for it, um, and, and the reason they do that is that <clears throat> if they don't want the exposure, number one, but uh, if the birds are exposed uh, during the egg-laying process, in other words, right in the heart of production, which that's usually where these things pop up. It will cause a, uh, a significant drop in egg production, which is, you know, uh, very costly. So the, their birds are all vaccinated uh, at the breeder level and at the commercial egg level uh, to prevent all of these things. Um, so the only way around it is, is to prevent it um, as far as that's concerned. Um, as far as the virus is concerned, it is a very stable virus, um, uh, but it is easily disinfected against uh uh, with whatever uh, uh, good disinfectant you want to use. Um, uh, there's a, a number of them out there and, and uh, to, to use. We like Oxine a lot. Um, Vircon S is another one that's good, uh, and Tectrol is, is good. Uh, we carry the uh, Oxine, um, and we carry the Tectrol in a spray at the moment and may, may venture out. Uh, to the Vercon S in a tablet form, which allows you to make it in small quantities. Uh, and it you don't have to deal with the liquid easier to ship and that kind of stuff, um, may even go to the Tectrol uh, liquid as well, but we're, we're looking into those particular things, but they're all effective uh, uh, disinfectants that will work uh, against this particular virus. Um, and again, uh, it, it's, it's a stable virus, meaning that it'll stick around in the environment. Um, a number of studies around just depending on which one you read and who found what but uh, uh, just say this and it, it'll be around in the droppings in, in excess of four weeks um, and uh, that could be six weeks five weeks uh, three weeks it just depends uh, but um, the more uh, the, the greater the environment is uh, conducive to the virus itself the longer it generally will uh, end up hanging around but um that's pretty much it in a nutshell for this one, and just uh, something that's uh, worthy of mentioning, uh, and um, you know can be a problem if it uh, pops up on your doorstep.
0: Yeah, thanks for sh- for sharing that. I know we've been wanting to get to this topic for a few weeks, and it just so happened to be that we've got some. Uh, time and to get back uh, rolling here with the podcast so um thanks for sharing all that information and uh, folks are listening and they can go back and listen to any uh, episode we've ever done with peter Brown, uh, the chicken doctor just uh, a lot of times it's easy to just google search um the chicken doctor or the chicken whisperer or blog talk radio and then the topic you're looking for like coccidiosis so um there's over a thousand episodes and, uh, and years of uh <laughs> that you can listen to with uh from from the uh, again experts in their field let's switch gears here just a little bit as we wrap up the show here we have got about 10 minutes left and uh cover i've been out of the loop a little bit peter because i'm going from event to event to event other than what i get uh kind of sent to me via email but um so i, I know that it's still we're, we're still having um um farms that are that are being tested positive. I know that the USDA has just covered up uh, with the uh, uh, process of dealing with this and uh, eliminating the birds and calling them uh, all over in that in that kind of Midwest uh, area. I did notice, I'm trying to think, the last state that I saw that it was affected. I know Nebraska, I believe, had uh, a, um, a, a confirmed case and I'm not sure if Arkansas did or not, but um, share with us uh, some more uh, recent information. Cause like I said, we just got off tour and I did not have time to uh, follow up or to, to uh, really keep on track the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I uh, checked with the uh, USDA this morning and um, you know, a lot of folks don't realize that uh, this has been going on since December of 2014. So we're, um, you know, we're, we're pushing a good six months into this thing, and, uh, you know, it's still ongoing. Uh, the latest, what they call detection, uh, was uh, just on the 21st of May in Iowa. And um, whether there are, are more or more coming, I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, suffice it to say that since the um, uh, December uh, 2014 uh, first uh, uh, outbreak that was detected. Uh, there have been 179 detections as as of their website uh, and their information this morning. So um, that's a lot, and it's it's ongoing. The last one uh, I saw was uh, still in, in Iowa. That doesn't mean there are, aren't others coming uh, that have not been totally confirmed uh, and added to that uh, that number. Uh, but it, it's it's uh, it's scary enough uh, for me to. Uh, continue to tell people that you need to keep your guard up uh, this uh, wasn't just a west coast problem like a lot of folks were saying in the beginning um, we might see a tamping down of it now uh, due to the fact that in, in a lot of areas uh, they're starting to warm up uh, it was only about two weekends ago certainly no more than three that certain parts of uh, of uh, Wyoming and Colorado had more than a foot of snow so uh, those cold temperatures will, will uh, help keep this virus around. It likes cold better than it does hot. So uh, we may see it subside here uh, very shortly and uh, act like it's gone away over the summer uh, when indeed it, it will uh, It will more than likely uh, come back. Uh, and if you remember me saying, and I think this is an important part of this thing, while we have a huge problem with it here, uh, we're not alone. Um, there are at least 23 countries that have either battled this recently or continuing to battle as we speak. Uh, the last two countries that I'm aware of uh, that I just added to my list were uh, Turkey and, and Russia, um, and that's only in the last two weeks. So um, it continues to be a worldwide problem, not just the U.S. problem. Uh, it may be more of a problem here because we've got a lot more chickens here than most other countries, um, and we're very unfortunate in one uh, in a couple of respects that we have so many of these uh, Uh, waterfowl flyways that come right directly through uh, various areas of our country right across the country from east coast to west coast so um to me it makes sense to uh you know to keep looking at this um and understand that um the more routine you are in what you do the better chance you have of keeping this off your premise it's when you break the routine you break the protocol and you will end up having a problem that uh, whether it's with this disease or any other disease uh, now i'll mention this only because i saw it once and i have not had a time to investigate it there was a report at a reuters uh, news agency where they had sent some reporters to the midwest who were actually able to gain access to several farms that were infected with avian influenza un- un- unfeathered. they just were able to walk right in and talk to people roam around on on a premise and drive right out without any disinfection coming in disinfection going out Um, and uh, supposedly an interview with a uh, a farm owner who said it wasn't his job to keep up security Um, uh, so it's no wonder we're in a spot if this is all true uh, which i do uh, believe it to be true uh, i said before that uh, a lot of the biosecurity on a lot of farms and stuff Egg, egg laying type operations have never had to deal with uh, any kind of biosecurity to my nature. Uh, and um, I can't, uh, you know, they just don't have it in their head. And when you don't have it in your head, this is what you end up having. And the, and the, the last five or six cases that I saw were all in Iowa. And not trying to run them down or anything, but, you know, um, biosecurity needs to be as tight as tight can be. With this type of, of virus, because it's it spreads very very easily, um, and does a lot of damage. To, we're talking, um, to date, uh, the most updated information I have is over 40 million birds been yeah. you know either been euthanized or scheduled to be uh, because of all of this, and that's a lot of money.
0: I saw um, a news article that popped up. I saved it. I want to post it, but post it at the right time because the last few weeks uh, I have posted related articles about rodent control. And in the upcoming article, uh, Dr. McCray, upcoming magazine in summer where you're doing the ear canker, Dr. McCray will be joining us tomorrow. Um, she did one uh, by request of myself about rodent control and the importance of that. I've posted uh, uh, the last month uh, about rodent control and the dangers when, you know, people in blogs and forums thinks it's funny and cute when their chickens go and chase down and eat a mouse, and oh, they eat them all the time with no problems, and um, and and so we, we've kind of uh, tried to put the information out there, and uh, but I, I did see a study with the USDA collecting. Um, mice and rodents from around these farms to see because they can carry this disease as it's suspected because they can carry a lot of different diseases on both their fur and on their feet, tracking it in from the field. You know, like you talk about when when these these wild birds uh, land in the field near the ponds, they take off, they land, they defecate when they're taking off, when they're landing, Um, and uh, the rodents are out there in the field And uh, so they're looking at that being a possibility as well, which also encompasses biosecurity, you know, keeping the rodents out as well. Don't let the disease come in. Don't let the disease come out. And uh, so they're looking at that. So uh, I'm finding I'm waiting for the right time to post that uh, again to convey again other than the articles, uh and the information about the rodents and really not wanting them around your chickens, regardless of how cute you think it is for them to go and gobble a mouse down. Um, it's not it's and you know, it's just not a good thing to have around. And so they're even looking at uh just try to eliminate that, that Maybe a cause of the rodents getting in and, and, and spreading this around so um but that'll be in the summer issue and i'm waiting for that to post so yeah they they i haven't heard of a de- definitive answer of why this is happening other than a, a biosecurity breach somehow whether it be the mice rodents and rats or or um wild birds that are uh finding their way into these houses or the feed trucks or the employees um it's it's one of those things but it is What it is, and even for backyard flocks, oh, you know, there's been what I think 17, 15, or 17 backyard flocks. Um, that have been uh, about 10% of the outbreaks have been backyard flocks, ranging anywhere from eight or 10 birds up to I think it was uh, a few hundred, and even then, that was a that was not a commercial farm, so it falls under the category of backyard flock, and so they are not um, definitely immune to. Uh, this at all. So, um, any other information about the uh, about the outbreak that you want to share? But I also saw that number um, <clears throat> over 40 million uh, birds
1: cold yeah, or no, scheduled to cold. You know, um, how how easily the, a breakdown in, in, in a, a biosecurity mm-hmm. program or lack thereof. If if the report that I and I just haven't had time to go back and pull that up, but I. Um, you know uh if they were eat that easy to to get on a farm and like i said to you th- there isn't a farm here you can't walk on doesn't mean you won't get shot at or somebody holler at you or uh, um, that kind of thing but there isn't they're not fenced in a lot of them are right by the roadside and uh, nobody's going to stop you from driving your car uh, that short distance from the road to the front door of that of that uh, facility
0: um, you're, you're absolutely right. I live, of course, in, in Georgia, which produces more uh, broilers, I think, than any other state in, in the country. And uh, I live right smack dab in the middle of <laughs> broiler country. And, and I've, I've seen it firsthand. I can drive up. In fact, I had a farm hand um, who actually, this is kind of scary, uh, worked for me. I had obviously backyard poultry. He would care for my birds. He would help me on the farm. I know for a fact he would go and and there's no biosecurity i know that philip was not washing in his boots and doing a foot What, and then um i he would uh, had set up uh his home this facility and i would go and visit and uh many i mean it was it, you're right i could walk right up and walk into those this was a big major uh commercial poultry operation and he invited hey come come check them out come check them out and i'm like uh, no <laughs> you know i'm not walking in there i have chickens myself I'm, at least you know i volunteered myself to to have some kind of biosecurity but I, I know it was not taken because he invited me on a countless time to hey come check out the birds we just got in or come check them out they're getting ready to be uh, gathered up or come watch them gather them up with this new machine they have that that rotates and gathers them instead of catching them by hand all this stuff just come on come on and check it out and uh and, and i know he would take and, and and it's not uncommon for laborers i know to i know several uh, firsthand first name basis that go and every morning uh they borrow a ride or beg or borrow steal a ride over working and their job every morning is to walk through and pick up the the dead hens from the commercial houses and then they'll go and get a ride to the next farm and they'll walk through and pick up the dead birds every single morning So so i know i see it firsthand that the biosecurity is not not being done and this is america's food source you, you when you think about it why isn't there a a gate i mean how expensive is a gate at the end of the driveway to keep and the, they're the signs that say stop you know security practices just a sign and most of them are rusted and faded and you can hardly read them the ones i've seen
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh but america's food source you know let's, hey how about a gate for 150 bucks
1: <laughs> yeah now on the, on the flip right. side of, yeah, yeah on the flip side of that okay Uh, If you were to go to um, a facility that was owned by one of the um, uh, breeder companies, the companies that provide the breeding stock to multiply the the layer flocks and or broiler flocks, uh, you Mm -hmm. won't get near the joint. They are all fenced. Uh, They all have security at the gate. Uh, If you don't have business there, you're not getting in. If you do get in, Okay. There is a protocol that's followed. If they allow you actually into the hatchery uh, facility itself or a breeder facility itself, uh, then you have to shower and change clothes and and uh, go through a uh, uh, an air chamber and the whole bit. Um, now, I'm not saying every farm to, needs to do that, but some sort of reasonable uh, biosecurity levels need to be uh, you know need to be taken um, you know for the sake of everybody. I mean, I. You know, I would want it you know if I owned a big big facility I mean you know, to, to for for an owner of a farm and if it's true and if he did really say that you know that uh, security wasn't his worry um, then what is his worry you know um, you know the, the loss of income uh, you know the government doesn't pay these guys for the loss of of, of, of actual physical income uh, here's the way it works you find out you've got avian influenza in your commercial flock and um, You have to notify the department. Uh, After you get a diagnosis, you have to immediately notify the Department of Agriculture. They send a person out. They count up all the dead birds. They figure out how many birds you had. They deduct the birds that are already dead from those that are still alive, and you only get paid for the live ones. And, um, you know, they're not going to pay the profit margin on it. They help mitigate the losses and stuff. But then now, after after you've been paid for your birds, that farm has to sit. It's got to be cleaned up, uh, and it's got to be... uh, uh, left dormant for three or four weeks, so you can't put birds back in it. Um, uh, you know, until the farm has been tested and and you know all the stuff has been composted and and, and the farm has been tested and, and tested negative. So there's a lot more to it than just meets the eye. And uh, you know, if, if I were in that position, I'd be darned if I'd want to go through it.
0: Yeah, it's it's surprised that. Uh um if you have that article and forward it to me i really would be interested in reading that where the owner himself said it's not my job for uh, to provide security so that's that's quite shocking i'd, I'd definitely like to uh, to see that or read that or have that availability to me so um yeah and, and as and as backyard bird owners you know we we can uh, do what we can. to, to and, and, and I try to keep it realistic. You know, I, I gave away over 500 really nicely printed spiral bound, glossy booklets to, to folks and said, uh, kept it real. I was like, look, um, we don't have time to cover this uh, cover to cover, but read through it. It is very important information. And when you read through when you read through it, decide what you can implement and what you think you can continue to implement. It doesn't make any sense to go off the deep end and say, I'm going to do all of this, and then just after a week say, oh, maybe I want this time or that time. It could be as simple as putting the hand sanitizer out by the coop and having a designated pair of boots. If that's two things you're not doing today that you decide to do tomorrow, that's two more steps to to trying to have better biosecurity. I'm not saying that every soccer mom in suburbia that has six six chickens in their backyard needs to wash their tires and their wheel wells angle time they come back from the feed store if, if you implement that great if you have a big hobby farm three3,000 birds and you're making money off that may be something you want to implement but but keeping it real i know uh, every soccer mom has six chickens in the back of their house in atlanta and uh, suburbia is not going to be washing their tires after they leave the the feed store i get that but they can do the hand sanitizer they can keep a designated pair of boots there they can have a foot wash if they don't want to keep a designated pair of boots they could have coveralls if they choose to do that that they keep outside um, there's some things Easily that they can do, every little step they can do that they feel like they can continue to do uh, is that 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 much better biosecurity for their backyard flock. But you, again, you just try to keep it real. Think don't borrow tools from your neighbor. How hard is that to remember? There's another step there uh, for biosecurity. So it's, uh, and of course we're we're working with the Coop tours as well. Uh, in fact, uh, the uh, the Atlanta, uh, coop tour that just took place. I was thrilled. I've used it as a perfect example. I reached out to them about biosecurity, offered some suggestions. They implemented the suggestions because they see the importance. Next year's tour, every single flock of- if you tested number one uh, and then number two they do it at sites provide booties number three no one's allowed in the run or the coop uh, limited access of how close you can get to that nobody's handling birds uh, either they implemented these things uh, because I get the idea of a coop tour I think it's a great you know t- to let people know and share what this movement is all about but they don't need to be walking in the run in the coop they can see everything they need to at a distance um, and they don't need to be petting every bird and holding every bird they can see and talk and if you have something inside your coop or run or in your coop that's it's different, I have a picture to look at without having to going into there and then going from coop to coop to coop. But they implemented some wonderful uh, suggestions. I was very proud of them and they did a great job and it's a successful tour. And we're trying to work tour to tour to tour to try to get other things implemented uh, on the coop tours. When I, when I started this and first mentioned biosecurity uh, about five years ago at the Atlanta coop tour, a different group was managing it it would fell on deaf ears. They, they thought I was nuts and they said, Oh no, this is, these are my backyard flocks. I have great husbandry, blah, 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 blah. And nothing was done no matter, you know, no matter what information I gave them. But this year it was really kind of welcomed with open arms and things were implemented firsthand that, uh, that really made me, uh, proud to be associated with them so it was, a, it was a good deal so backyard flocks are not uh immune to this whatsoever 10 percent, i think was the last number uh, uh based on the 170 number about 17 i think of the backyard flocks are somewhere in that area so um peter great information today we appreciate you coming on great information about ae information about uh, the recent ai8 uh, break- breakout and i know that we'll talk off air that you'll be joining us back again Friday Um, and I'm trying to think Friday we'll play off air but I think noon or two I think either time Friday will work folks so whichever works best for you I I think I have to take a look but uh, but I know we'll have you back on Friday which is good making up some time and uh, tomorrow folks we will have a poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McCray on uh, tomorrow joining us and I think we're going to be talking about uh, raising water or hope, believe it or not, so um, that'll be tomorrow's topic. So, Peter, thanks for joining us, okay. and uh, we'll see you this Friday.
1: We'll see, Andy. Thank you.
0: Hey, thank you. Alrighty, that's Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken, founder of FirstStateVetsupply.com. Visit them online, FirstStateVetsupply.com. Uh, but yeah, we're just getting uh, uh, coming off a, a book and speaking tour. My next event is going to be coming up this weekend at the Sharonville Convention Center uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And, uh, I will be speaking both Saturday and Sunday at the Cincy Preparedness Expo. You can visit them online, see, uh, uh, uh the cost to get in and all that they have to offer there. Uh, I know the keynote speaker, I think is going to be uh, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. There's going to be, uh, classes if you're into prepping based on whether you're prepping for a tornado, a flood, a hurricane, uh, the end times, uh government takeover, you know, whatever, because there's 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 just like with people who keep chickens, there's a vast array of prepar for their own particular reason or beliefs. Uh but uh take a look at what they've got going on there at uh Cincy PreparednessExpo.com, and uh, I believe it's $15 to get in. But Water Collection, uh, they're going to have actual classes. You can sit in on suturing from an emergency physician there. They've got uh, essential oil representatives there. So it's not just uh, gloom and doom. It's uh, uh, encompassing all aspects of preparedness, uh, regardless of where you fit in there into that preparedness uh, arena. So I'll be speaking there uh, on Saturday and Sunday. And come on. Love to see you. I'll be we'll have plenty of books there. I'll be doing autographs and we'll take, um, uh, again, all forms of payment for the books. If you already have a book, you want me to autograph it. Come on out. Enjoy the expo. And I'll be in the booth for an hour after I'll after my presentation uh, where I can autograph the book and do Q&A. And uh, and would love to meet you like I've met so many people on this uh, on this last tour. I'll be back right after this break. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pins, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pins for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. 7257 we Manufacturing. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? in most cases it's not necessary but if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source and the only one i recommend is the sweeter heater the sweeter heater is a safe completely sealed washable non-breakable energy efficient long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since
1: 1921,
0: Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg's should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com Call today at 1
1: 800 Remember that's strawberkschickens.com.
0: All righty, I want to remind everybody that the, uh, the magazine, the spring uh, issue of Chicken Whisper Magazine, that contest for that awesome coop uh, has expired. And uh, But guess what? The summer issue is coming out very soon, probably in the next two weeks. The summer issue will be published and mailed to you. And also, if you subscribe online to the free digital edition, it'll be emailed to you. But there is another coop contest in the summer issue from Urban Coop Company. Uh, uh, They have donated their starter coop, brand new, just released in 2015. Um, It is a smaller starter coop to try to compete with some of these uh, inexpensive uh, coops that are coming out of China. This one is made in the USA. It's made out of uh, Western uh, cedar. Uh, it's going to weather a lot longer and, and it lasts a lot longer uh, for two, two three chickens max. Um, but if you have a million chickens, like I tell folks, it can be a great ICU uh, coop if you have an injured or sick bird it can work great as a brooder it can work great for just uh, two or three silkies or seramas uh, to, to keep them and if you want to raise a few of those uh, it can be used um, as uh, what were we were saying oh for, for broody mama uh, if She's if she goes broody and sitting on eggs once those eggs hatch you can move her and her uh, her little chicks into this this um, coop so just because you have a million chickens don't say oh I have a million chickens and I don't need that coop there's a gazillion things you can do with this coop whether you have a million chickens or eight chickens, uh, and it is an awesome value. We'll be giving that away in the summer issue of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and I've got a phone call to make today uh, to see if we can have another Facebook contest uh, with a coop company that participated in one last year. I think we were supposed to have one in May, uh, but with the book tour, it just didn't happen, so I'm thinking maybe June, we may be giving away another coop on our Facebook page as well. So, um, lots of things that are going on. We appreciate you tuning in today. Uh, again, tomorrow, I welcome poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McCray, PhD. Talking about raising waterfowl. Nothing on Thursday, Friday. I believe that it'll be two p.m. because I'll be on the road Friday, so I believe two p.m. on Friday. Um, noon may work, but I think two may be better for my schedule. Uh, this Friday, we'll welcome back Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. So, thank you very much for tuning in. It's good to be back, and uh, it's good to get back with the podcast. We really enjoy doing this. Great information. I'm going to share one more thing with you. One more thing. Don't go away. Uh, and the tour. We started a new, I don't want to say website, but it is a new domain that goes to a particular page we did create on my website. Uh, I think it's going to take off. I think it's going to be uh, visited uh, highly. I think we had over 2,000 visitors just in a few days once we posted it. Uh, But it is called factourchickenpoop.com. Because uh, we're so adamant about getting the right information into your hands, our fans, our listeners, uh, so you don't have to rely on on bad information on blogs and forums. That And there's plenty out there. There's some good information out there, yes, but there's a whole overload in, in with bad information. So what we've done with FactOrChickenPoop.com, if you go to that FactOrChickenPoop.com, it goes directly to a page we've set up on our main page. Com. Um, and uh, what we do is we search the Internet for a statement, not a question. These are statements that people are posting, whether it be a blogger or a chicken keeper or a hobbyist or whatever. A statement that they are making on a blogger form uh, that they feel is true, accurate information, uh, fact-based, study-based information uh, that people can take from that uh and people will take from that because they think oh it's online and this is from this person it's got to be right so we're taking a statement that is made out there that that when you read it you figure that it is true and factual and then we're sending that statement to an array of chicken experts around the country that are participating in this program fact or chicken poop.com. and so um uh, we've got two up already. Uh, we're trying to do this once a week, once every couple of weeks, twice a month. And so eventually it'll be just, just this whole mecca of information. And these are, again, we post a statement that was made on a blogger forum. Um, we're not posting the person's information or personal information or the name of the blogger forum. Just that, it, for example, this came off a Facebook uh, backyard chicken group. Uh, and we post the statement. And then um, we send that statement to one of the poultry experts around the country at major universities and USDA and other scientists. We have them address it, not in like four pages of detail, but just in two or three paragraphs, if that, uh, of whether this statement is fact or chicken poop and why. And so you can uh, take it. We've we've started it. We've already had two posts. I've got another give another statement and uh, send it out uh, for the number third. Uh, But factorchickenpoop.com, I think this is going to be, in fact, it already has been welcomed with open arms from people, uh, our fans uh, as well. So check that out on a regular basis. I try to update that on Facebook when we uh, uh, have the response to the statement uh, received and it's posted. But factorchickenpoop.com, I think it'll be uh, change the way a lot of folks see uh, chicken keeping in the future where they get their information from. So thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, I do appreciate it. And we will see you tomorrow of this week. God bless everybody.